my goodness points for catio uh <laughs> i was just texting julia that uh while she had gotten distracted before we recorded i was just sitting here looking up patio ideas and as i was like okay i'll send you the like recording link julia goes catio <laughs> i didn't get a chance to respond to your text yet but that was great <laughs> i mean i can't take credit for it because that is the name given to patios for cats oh my god seriously i had no idea yeah i mean that's what i (laughs) that's what i've been googling and looking up because my goal in life is to have a little backyard that i can turn into a catio yeah that's kind of what i'm looking at too because i want to like also brick in the like bottom we have like this it's really small but like we just have like a small little area that's fenced in but there is a little space between the fence and the you know the ground Mm. and which actually like animals like skunks have like surprised me as I'm (laughs) sitting out there before and like oh god okay uh you should just go on your way um but yeah because I actually I do want to like close it in I also want to get one of those bamboo fences those like you know privacy screens because we actually think someone tried to break into our house semi-recently yeah we came back from um Christmas and our screen door which we always keep like locked and obviously the sliding glass door like super locked while we're gone with like a board you know so that people can't like open it mm-hmm. but when we got back the screen door was just like wide open luckily the glass door was so closed and like the board was still there but mm-hmm. um and then today as I'm like taking stock of everything that's like my new project to like do the little catio now that I know that word <laughs> yeah um but when I looked out there, we have this grill that we, like, don't take care of very well, and I think I'm going to get rid of it. But I looked out there, and I was like, oh, my God, there's a cigarette butt in the bottom, like, in the ash part, like, Ew. collecting part of the grill. And yeah. this is, like, it's not like someone could have just thrown it over our, like, fence because right. it wouldn't have just randomly landed in our grill. So I saw that and was just, like, a shiver just, like, went down my spine So I was like, that means someone was in our fucking patio yeah do you think someone was just like having a little party out there while you were gone or do you think someone was like smoking while they like jumped the fence and are like oh gotta get rid of this responsibly in this grill (laughs) (laughs) before i try to break in it is a weird like a weirdly responsible thing it's like if you're breaking into someone's house when you just like haphazardly throw yeah it's like when you just not give a shit where you put like why would you think to put it out in like a an actual receptacle (laughs) yeah i mean maybe it's just a semi-responsible thief who was like no i don't litter i steal but i don't litter (laughs) because the environment is important (laughs) i steal and i'm thwarted by potentially seeing cats like i don't know what stop them because i assume well maybe the board yeah i don't know yeah i don't think there's any way to get around a board because that's like just brute force (laughs) Stopping well, you. yeah, that's the whole point is that yeah. you know we put it there and we're like, yeah, don't come in. <laughs> basically, basically a, a poor person's anti one of those anti theft things that you yeah. like <laughs> with a lock and key, you know. But like, oh, board, yeah. you don't need a lock and key. 
<laughs> the other thing I really want, I guess now if you have those like Alexa lights, the like ones you can like set to different oh, like yeah, colors yeah. and things. There's a setting where you can set it to like intruder setting where it's like it'll just kind of if you're traveling it'll go on and off intermittently at like random intervals to make it look like you're there and I was like that is all I've ever wanted in my paranoid brain (laughs) yeah Yeah, I think that's why my I got so annoyed with my neighbors when I moved in the people who live downstairs because Mm -hmm. um we have have internet and you don't because they have internet and I don't yeah but they, (laughs) they also keep the hallway light on all the time and when oh. I moved in, their downstairs hallway light was broken. And so they just kept mine on 24-7. And they, like, sharpied on my um, my light switch. Like, please do not turn off. And I was like, <gasps> oh, fuck that. Like, this is my light. I'll turn it on and off as I please. <laughs> yeah, they don't have any say over your light. Yeah, so it was, like, kind of obnoxious. But at the same time, I think they were trying to, like, keep it on all the time to make it look. Because it does shine through the like the doorway window like the front door mm-hmm. yeah I think they were just trying to make it look like there was always someone home but also mm. like that's my light and at the time I didn't have a bed and so I was sleeping in my living room and I have like a one inch gap at the bottom of my door so my light was just like on in the middle of the night and like Aww. shining in my face because I was on the floor on a futon I mean they didn't know <laughs> that so <laughs> right <laughs> they, but, still. They, but still you know those interneting bastards how dare they how dare they (laughs) (laughs) oh man they're they're very nice people i'm sure they just wanted us both to not get robbed i mean probably i mean now we should all just get alexa lights they're pretty great i'm not that fancy yet yeah no me neither (laughs) (laughs) i don't even have internet (laughs) my god you need to get internet i don't think i'm going to (laughs) Oh no. I think I'm just gonna live like a sad person until this lease runs out. Oh man. Yeah. I don't know how you're doing it. Baltimore. Literally worse than Albania. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you were always like so up on everything. I thought you were gonna be so like out of the loop when you're no, in Albania. Was, like, you were like <laughs> the first thing yeah I never went without internet in Albania my host family had internet which was like a rarity like no one's host families Uh, had internet yeah I think I remember you saying that yeah I mean you were like definitely more up on shit than I was and I was like I live where things are like produced (laughs) (laughs) yeah jokes on you I live where I had nothing else to do (laughs) (laughs) I mean fair (laughs) yeah Oh man. Yeah. Well, welcome to Paranormal Captivity where we talk about break-ins and uh <laughs> how terrible I was. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, both of those things are a little bit like sleuthing related. I mean, break-ins are, more than Albania, but <laughs> I mean, the, yeah, the thievery sure, but the internet, <laughs> the thievery. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I will say though, I had a very exciting day today. Well, I didn't have, I took oh. a long nap, but it wasn't that exciting. I mean, that actually is exciting. <laughs> that sounds delightful. But Chuni had a very exciting day today because I let him outside in Baltimore. <gasps> oh my God. What I guess it was a, a little exciting because I did have a brief moment of like, oh God, I made a terrible mistake. How yeah. did he, where, where did you let him out? So I let him out the front door 
um, which wow. was, yeah. So I kind of had an idea in my head because he's such a good follower that I was like, yeah, he is a great I'll follower. Just, yeah, I was like, I'll just take him for a walk and he'll follow me around the block and then I'll come back in and maybe it'll like help him with his like excessive energy and like bullying of Mushu. Oh, <laughs> yeah. But I, so first of all, it's challenging getting him out the door because he like panicked when, so he like kind of fought, he was like not that interested following me out into the hallway, but he did. But then when I went to close and lock my apartment door, he like panicked a little bit and wanted to like immediately run back inside. And I was like, okay, so I'm going to have to like leave my apartment door open so he doesn't panic. And then also open my front door which made me start to worry about Mushu not that Mushu's gonna run out the door but no you know so and I also had to leave my apartment door open while I was outside so I was like great now I'm worried about thieves (laughs) 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 or my downstairs neighbors because there's nothing stopping them from rummaging through my apartment now yeah but they have internet what would they need in your apartment yeah (laughs) literally nothing my cactus I don't know so yeah so I'd coaxed him out into the hallway and then as soon as I opened the front door he got like real excited and came down and just stood there in the doorway for a while and I don't think I took into account that he's never been outside of Baltimore before so he like immediately got super overwhelmed by like all the new smells and was like super scared and skittish oh so he like kind of like like scuttled his way out and like wouldn't follow me he just kind of like stood there and like would smell spots and then he like ran into the bushes and I lost him and I was like oh (gasps) god I made a terrible mistake oh no so I was like running around because the bushes were like right at the corner and Uh that I don't know the way the sidewalk set up it takes like a long time to get around the corner because it like juts out into a anyway I ended up just cutting through someone's yard um illegally and i could see them like moving the curtains because i was like chuny chuny like in their yard and i could see like the (laughs) curtains moving and i was like oh god the neighbors think i'm like trying to steal something from their house (laughs) um yeah so i I, like lost him for a while but he was just in the bushes like he just hunkered down in the bushes so then i had to coax him out and he like just zoomed back inside so it was a little a little traumatizing for him a little traumatizing for me and of course as soon as I got him back inside he like calmed down and then immediately started scratching at the door to get back out <laughs> he was like oh I get it now he's I like oh it. that was outside yeah let's do it again <laughs> hey hey let's try that yeah I like it yeah, I loved it yeah I oh, love those man. bushes <laughs> <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that's, that was my cat experience. I would much rather have a catio that I could let him out on. Yeah. Do you have a little area where you can like, you know, I have a little, uh... I have a, I have a backyard, but I live on the second floor with no back door. Oh, no, like access to that. Yeah. And I live in a row home. So I have to like go around the entire block to get to my backyard anyway. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. So it's not like I could just walk out the front door and there's like a little side alley to get to the back. It's like, I have to walk around the block. It would basically be me walking him around the block to let him out in a tiny backyard. 
I mean, you could take him on walks. You are very quiller. And I decided, Julia, I decided I'm going to make you a shirt. I should have just done it and surprised you. But <laughs> I might do the thing where I just tell you that I'm going to do it yeah. and then never do yeah, it. Yeah, that's fair. Um, but I decided, what were some of the, I feel like I want to make you, like, t-shirts that are, like, that have, like, phrases, like, you're quilling hard. Or, like, <laughs> what was it today? There was one as I was, oh, maybe I'll look in the text messages. Because I feel like I texted you something. And then from that, I was, like. Oh man, we need shirts of that. Oh, that's so quillerin of you. That's so quillerin of you. <laughs> Hashtag that's so quill. It's a commode, not an abode. <laughs> oh my god! Speaking of which, there is reference to not knowing what a commode. Yeah, is. I'm not the only one. Arch doesn't know what a commode is either. <laughs> I know. Well, no, Arch was the one that was like, I could have guessed, and Quillerin was like, Well, I couldn't have. <laughs> yeah, so Quillerin didn't even know. This section, okay, guys, so we are in the greatest section, I think, of all time. This was so epic. <laughs> there was not only do we meet Coco and we get a ton mm-hmm. of Quillerin and Coco interaction, but we also get, dun, 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 our first homicide of, our first murder of the the book. And we also get, like, some, like, kind of cliffhangery little bits. Yeah. So this was a great section, is what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, yeah. It was not the murder that I was expecting. Spoiler. No, me neither. Yeah. And also, did you kind of hate the way Lillian Jackson Braun introduced Coco and all of her like crazy, sexy descriptions of cats? Because I kind of hated it. <laughs> oh, I made a note to bring that up. That yeah, the, the sexy cat descriptions are definitely they bad. were like out of control. And I kind of- <laughs> they also were like it just was very funny because the way that um george oh shoot what's his full name the art critic yeah coco's owner coco's current owner coco's current owner i'm gonna look it up it's a three-namer maybe we can like bring it down to uh i think they just uh, they're just calling him by his last name were they Mm -hmm. what's his last name i forgot nope don't remember (laughs) no i would recognize it but i don't remember it Mont Clemens. Yeah, that's the one. Mont Clemens. Okay, George Mont Clemens. There is like a middle name that I wish I could. I'm going to look it up and then we can maybe have a nice little uh, Lillian Jackson Braun LJB type. Mm, yeah. Type little uh, little thing, but that's not happening for me right now, apparently. <laughs> yeah, so Mont Clemens is. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I, again, will say I'm so glad that we've read some of the her short stories mm-hmm. now because, A, his house, Mont Clemens' house, sounds so much like... Um, the first one? The Yes, the first yeah. one. The first one we've read it, I mean, where it, they get broken into. <laughs> might just be because they mentioned, like, a back alley staircase. I think that's what... I mean, fair. Yeah, <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's what it was. But it was, yeah. It was very fancy... And very like antiquey, I guess. Yeah, it was very like art heavy. So like this actually, this section we read. Um, so this is the cat who read the cat. I always say the title wrong. The cat who could read backwards. Um, and this is again, this is Coco's origin story, and we've finally gotten to Coco. Coco. And the um this section we read uh five through eight. Mm-hmm. Right, five through eight. Yep. Yeah, five through eight. This is this is actually kind of where it starts is that Quillerin's first 
um, if you remember the like cliffhangery ish, if you could call it that, from last section, was that Quillerin had made a date to go meet George Monk Clemens the Third. That's kind of where we pick up is that Quillerin goes to his house slash apartment, and uh, yeah, that's kind of where we are now. Is that we're yeah basically in this. I picture it as like a two three two three story like walk up type like townhouse y situation like brick building it's apparently in a really bad part of town but he is like trying to be like a holdout uh, kind of like the Casablanca and the cat yeah and, the mm-hmm. and kind of trying to turn the neighborhood back around single-handedly even though he's a hermit and like doesn't do anything to contribute to his community <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah so we kind of get there and kind of like yeah, I forgot exactly how cool. Apparently, he's a really good chef. So, like, he's feeding Quiller and all of this, like, really fancy food. Mm-hmm. And then, like, all of a sudden, to his side, Quiller and sees a movement. Eyeballs. The... He sees the eyeballs. Oh, that's right. It was eyeballs. Yeah. Yeah. He's Coco's behind... crazy, glowing red eyes in the bookshelf. So, we're starting off yeah, with which... a bang. I mean, he's already hiding behind books. I know, which is so great because it's like, that's definitely something she kept up with throughout the series like that's one of the things we know is his like favorite thing so it is really fun to like read this having like read all the other ones that we have so far yeah but I didn't I well I guess you're supposed to kind of hate George Mont Clemens because I was really annoyed too along with all of the sexy descriptions (laughs) of Coco I was also super annoyed with Mont Clemens because he spends like basically this whole dinner with Quillerin being like being like oh the cat is like sending me signals i literally just did like a like a psych type like put my hand to my temples to like <laughs> interpret the the signals but he was doing a lot of that of like oh yes the cat i can tell now and, and he was like listing off things of like yes the cat is um yeah, what was he saying like interpreting all of or like looking you over right now and like discerning all of your items and like he knew that you were a smoker that you smoked pipes before you even brought your pipe out and things like that that I was like okay that might be true but you're being super annoying about the way you're dispensing this information yeah he was definitely I mean he's like a pretentious asshole all around for the most part yeah. and his his descriptions of Coco were pretty on par with that but we do get I mean I think from from that description I was kind of like hmm no wonder Coco is such a diva he comes from this household I know I think that was part of it too is that like in the way that like I know Coco ultimately belongs with Quillerin I think I was just like I don't like that you're with this other guy like it almost (laughs) felt like a rom-com where it was like you're not with the right person I'm being catty I'm being catty about it (laughs) 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 but yeah maybe that was honestly just it but I just kept being like oh Coco you're like you can do better Yeah, <laughs> Coco, you can do so much better. <laughs> but actually, in that respect, it is kind of cool because you do kind of initially see that, like, even, it, you know, if Mont Clemens is right, which we're kind of, like, led to believe he is, mm-hmm. in, like, the way that Coco is, like, you know, sizing Quillerin up and, like, eyeing him, it seems like Coco and Quillerin, like, hit it off pretty well pretty immediately. Yeah, I kind of feel like that's because Quillerin, like, really isn't, a cat person at this point and you see him mm-hmm. I feel like his the way he interacts with Coco in this book is very reminiscent of the way he interacts with baby 
in the cat who talked to ghosts. Oh, <laughs> yeah, good callback. Yeah. yeah, where he's just like, "Oh, how do you do, good sir?" Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And there is actually a moment a little bit later when Coco, when spoiler alert, Quillerin actually moves into the same building um, in like a actually probably similar to Julia's to your like living situation. Like, I think he lives in like a similar building, but like under maybe underneath or next to um it's a an apartment yeah. that it sounds like Mont Clemens owns. there are two apartments downstairs and then Mont yeah, Clemens lives yeah. on like the top floor the penthouse if you will <laughs> yeah pro- yeah most likely of his little brownstone um yeah and that at one point Coco like to continue their little relationship building um Coco like comes down to him because i guess you can access it still like inside um and so coco comes down and quiller and like opens the door and is like oh hello there and like basically had this moment where i think it kind of like steers their whole relationship because he that even in i think the line is even something like quiller made a snap decision because he didn't really know what to do and so he made a snap decision to just treat him like an equal and then just like basically was like come on in good friend (laughs) (laughs) and does a little bow yeah that's right he does a little bow yeah yeah so great i do like the little like i know we don't really like get a description of where Quillerin is at this point in life and like his personal growth but I really mm-hmm. like the way that they're like little snippets little inputs of kind of like oh and Quillerin was like so flattered that like Coco decided to sit there for half an hour on his floor <laughs> or like yeah so disappointed when he left or like when he came home to feed Coco later in the later in the chapters and Coco greeted him he was like oh and he was like so pleased that you know Coco showed him favor and I just like yeah I just kind of liked that because I feel like Quiller like we know from later books that Quillerin's like coming out of a depressive slump you know so I kind of I kind of feel like this is him just like making a friend and like feeling very appreciated and so I just kind of like I kind of like that that he's like slowly warming up to this cat and realizing like well it's kind of nice to have a little companion yeah exactly kind of you know doing what a cat can do I mean definitely has done for both me and John having I mean all of our millions of cats Mm -hmm. but yeah that like right that companionship and that like level of like being able to kind of obviously not like you know necessarily pull you out of a depression because there's so many different like nuanced things about depression but that it definitely like yeah helps to have someone that is like there with you and you know need maybe you know as much as you can argue do cats need anything from people but you know just kind of needs you to be there or doesn't need you to be there which is better because they want you to be there that's true but chooses for you to be there yeah exactly yeah so in this first dinner it is really it's kind of cool like we see coco and he we definitely do get a lot of sexy descriptions but we also (laughs) get like all of coco's like staple movements like he jumps to the top of a like wardrobe or something and like watches them from a pie which we know he likes to do and (laughs) comes um, out during the lobster course yeah and uh we actually find out that he even sleeps on top of the refrigerator on like a like a fancy blue cushion (laughs) which is kind of fun yeah we don't get i don't think we get any like mont clemens doesn't really talk about how he got coco does he no 
I don't, yeah, I don't think so. I think it's just his fancy cat to go with his fancy artwork. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it too. Like my dislike of Mont Clemens, because as much as it is clear that he obviously loves cats very much, it felt a little bit like he was right. Kind of like collecting Coco along with, you know, collecting all of his artwork and fancy little doodads everywhere and kind of putting on a facade. Yeah. And there was no lobster for Coco. He only gets chunks of beef. That's true. That's true. We do kind of. He doesn't. Get, yeah, I think he doesn't cater to Coco's finer tastes the way that Clarence does <laughs> later on. There was no thawing rabbit true. in the fridge. <laughs> you know, in this book too, like these moments too, kind of like called back for me too more so than like I don't know that I've ever really like put together, but it is just so funny thinking back on all the books that we've read and really looking again at how Quillard really does not know how to cook, but he does know how to cook for cats. <laughs> like he cannot cook for humans, but he can cook for fucking cats. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he, I think he did kind of pawn off most of those dishes onto uh what's her name? Oh, that's true. Lori Bamba. <laughs> no, I was thinking um, the housekeeper in the later books obviously oh, when he's like wealthy and his housekeeper oh not iris cobb oh yeah sorry. yeah yeah out oh you did mean iris cobb. i did oh, mean okay. iris cobb but also hixie hixie had a little <laughs> stint in there cooking for his cats too oh yeah that's who i was like yeah that's right okay yeah so okay so yeah so we get to i realized we're kind of like ping-ponging around <laughs> because later so quillerin does have this dinner mm-hmm. um they mostly talk about cats and coco and um, it is kind of a reveal too, because we haven't met Mont Clemens yet, and he is kind of as stuffy as you would imagine. But he, there's still some kind of charm to him, and Quillerin does kind of, you know, fall for it a little bit, I guess. As much as we're, you know, led to believe that he might be, you know, he's just kind of a mysterious, eccentric type person, and so Quillerin is kind of like, you know, you're you're kind of cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll hang then, out with you. It's fine yeah i'll hang out with you yeah and, and he... then yeah he offers him his oh sorry go ahead oh no that's literally exactly what i was gonna say he offers him a place because I... oh like i I don't think i understood in the last part of the book which i guess i should have that quillerin was just getting to whatever city they're in now um he oh, was just yeah. getting there so i thought he was like living in an apartment or in a hotel kind of like a creeper but he was just staying in a hotel as he was like testing out this job so he was yeah. looking to move. It wasn't like he just like hopped into another apartment because I mean he would because he's cooler in and he like moves like a crazy person, but he was already looking for a new place. So it was pretty, I guess, timely the the offer. Yeah, and it happens real fast. Like yeah. <laughs> he off Mark Clemens offers him this apartment and then literally the the next chapter he's already moved in yeah. and is like settled and well it was furnished fine. he was looking for a furnished apartment because i don't think he right. moved there with stuff so i'm like assuming he was kind of living out of a suitcase you know so it probably would just yeah. be like oh just jump down the road and move into my apartment with my one suitcase yeah no i think you're and right. no cats yeah. which makes moves easier <laughs> It's true. It's very true. He has a lot more difficulty moving in the future. Yeah. Got to pack up um, those commodes. Yeah. That turkey roaster's got to go. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so yeah, so he moves in and then that's where we get some of the scenes of Coco coming to Quillerin's door mm-hmm. and kind of meowing his hello and Quillerin lets him in and they have like, yeah, a full day of Quillerin's kind of ruining like, oh, I wish, I wish Mont Clemens would invite me over for another really good meal. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, meanwhile, he doesn't. So he gets to hang out with Coco instead. Meanwhile, Quillerin is actually the one that gives him the nickname Coco mm-hmm. because, at one point, Quillerin goes to the press club and, you know, just is reporting back all of this to his friends at the press club. Meanwhile, Mont Clements has called him Cal Kokung the whole time. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it correctly, but it's uh, apparently the name of a famous, uh, what, I think 13th century artist? That, I, mean, I don't know what that is. I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but... And then Quillerin is kind of the one that is like later when they're asking about the cat at the press club, he's like, oh, I don't know. He's got a name like Coco or something. And it's like, you know, that's not it. But also that's a great nickname. Yeah. So. <laughs> and clearly we know one that sticks. Yep. So, yeah, he's actually referenced as that from now on in the book, which is interesting. And so, yeah, what happens after that? So he goes to the press club and I think it's right then too, right? Because it happened pretty fast in our four chapters. The uh, the murder. the murder, yeah. So we kind of get there's like a little sprinkling of like his his newspaper buddies giving him like a little bit. I think it's the the photographer, Odd Bunsen. Odd Bunsen, <laughs> yeah. Giving which sounds like a Muppet's it name. Does sound like a yeah. It does sound a little bit like Beaker. Yeah, yeah. Bunsen and Beaker. Bunsen yeah. And Beaker, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, see him kind of giving Quillerin like a little bit of a hard time because they like the people at the newspaper like kind of call it pretty quickly that this that Mont Clemens is gonna start asking Quillerin to do favors for him. Oh right. And so yeah. like pretty immediately when Quillerin moves in, he starts getting notes slipped under his door to be like, Oh, would you mind doing this? And like, would you mind and they're not like huge favors. They're just kind of like, Oh, can no. you like take this to the newspaper when you go? Or can you like pick something up from across the street when you come back? But you you kind of see Quillerin getting like a little annoyed and he's like, damn it, they're right. <laughs> like he's just <laughs> using me. <laughs> I'm just a Which, though, boy. He, he is though, because it is right. You kind of like see that starting and it's like, yeah, that'd be annoying. But then we also find out Quillerin is only paying $50 in rent. Yeah. Which I don't know what that would be. Actually, here, let me look up a calculator for what that would actually be in like 1969, which I think is when this is around. Yeah. But still still $50 $50 that's absurd okay so actually that's probably more like 1969 equivalent in purchasing power is $333 in 2017 333 I you know I have paid that little for a room before in Spokane Washington yeah yeah and so I guess that is a little bit more than then I, you know, initially you hear 50 and you're like, oh my God, we'll do all the, I would do anyone any amount of errands <laughs> to only pay $50 in rent. But I guess it is a little bit yeah. more, but it's, yeah, it Back does then, sound like he's getting, it's a little bit more, but it's still like, it's a furnished apartment in like, yeah, that's a, true. Yeah. Granted in a shitty area, but it doesn't sound like it's in an inconvenient area. Yeah. So it's, like, true. It's, it's still a good really deal. Close to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly and he gets a lot of food out of it too because in just in these four chapters Quillerin's invited to dinner mm-hmm. which is really elaborate and great and then he also goes to a Sunday or a brunch not Sunday but like a brunch before uh, Mount Clemens jets off to New York for another trip mm-hmm. 
because that was actually one of the one of the chores that he yeah. sent Quillerin on was to pick up his plane ticket. Tickets for a yes, fancy yes. trip. A fancy trip yes. for a fancy shut in. <laughs> yeah. I was kind of surprised that he was going on a trip. I kind of got the impression. But I guess New York is not an office. Maybe he just like picks and chooses where he leaves the house for. Yeah, it was funny because at one point, I can't remember the exact scene this was, but we do get some kind of like contradictory information from Mont Clemens himself where he says like I don't love mixing my company with the artists that I review because I think it like you know sullies my ability to critique them but then in the same but then yeah tone, that, that lady that he's like maybe having an affair with well yeah exactly we get that definite bit of you know potentially hypocritical <laughs> Um, little information but then we also get him saying telling Quillerin like but I also travel a lot for work to go like review things so I think he is out a lot I just don't think he's like socializing a lot mm. all right that's fair he also doesn't go yeah. to the office ever no no so Quillerin is now his errand boy yeah. to the office and beyond <laughs> yeah so at back to the press club we get a call because he's having dinner with odd bunsen who um, is working nights and you know quiller went to dinner with him to keep him company and uh during while they're dining at the press club quiller not even quiller sorry um odd bunsen gets a call from his uh editors saying that dun 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 a murder um, murder has happened um and i forget his name joe lambreth it's zoe lambreth's husband has actually died yeah murdered in his own art studio yeah the one that quillerin was giving him a hard time in and he was being very stuffy about all of the information he was giving quillerin Mm -hmm. and so yeah that was really interesting because i right same as you thought that it was going to be mont clemens that was the murdered but now i'm starting to kind of wonder if maybe mont clemens isn't actually the murderer and he goes to jail and that's another way that quillerin could potentially get coco that is another way that quillerin could get coco but i think based on some previous no future book knowledge some previous books that we have read because in The Cat Who Saw Red, we get a description of Coco doing his little, like, murder dance, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, That's right. And he does a little murder dance around, like, a dead body that he finds in a park. And I'm kind of wondering if that's maybe in this book. Oh, yeah. That'd be interesting because also as a new cat owner, how is Quillerin going to take a cat to the park <laughs> is my more pressing question here. Yeah, I definitely could not get my cat to the park this morning. I couldn't even get him down the street. <laughs> That's fair. And he or wasn't even I on wonder, a <gasps> I know. Or, like, now I'm wondering if maybe Quillerin fucks up and Coco gets out and he has to chase him. Ooh. Yeah, we don't really get a description of where this house is or if it's, like, adjacent to a park. But it could be adjacent to a park. That's true. Oh, I just remembered something else that happened in the dinner with um, with Mont Clemens, which was we get kind of a little instruction manual on Coco. Yeah, we he do. He gives like the rundown. Yeah, on like everything. He kind of goes through this whole thing of like, well, he 
will point at things that he thinks are important for you to look at and he will sniff if he's displeased or he thinks you know you're not paying attention to him in the right way and he'll show his belly if he's like really unhappy with you and he's basically saying fuck you which that was really funny i mean they used thumb thumb their nose at but i was like that's the shakespearean way of saying fuck you (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i thought that was really interesting too because then those are also all things that we've seen um coco do later that we've all seen and then later I was just going to say, and then it's so crazy. Maybe that was the other, like, infuriating part of seeing, like, Mont Clemens' relationship to Coco. And then Quillerin's, like, years later, like, years and years after having Coco, he is still not nearly as, like, in tune with Coco as Mont Clemens is. <laughs> and so that is, like, also part of, like, a little confusing, oh, my God, I have the door closed and Murphy's paw is just, like, like dramatically stretching under the door. <laughs> being like what are you doing yeah of kind of being like you were given explicit instructions on this cat (laughs) why are you still not following still don't get it yeah Quillerin Quillerin such a noob such a noob so Quillerin and Odd Bunsen actually go to the crime scene like immediately yeah like Um, they're police officers but they're not they work in a newspaper (laughs) (laughs) they're just like in an active crime scene where the body is still like (laughs) on the ground oh times have changed um maybe they're the only newspaper around maybe there's no like clawing they might be but newsmen at the scene but also quiller is not even there is an actual crime reporter no he's like an art reporter (laughs) yeah he's just the art critic yeah i guess like it is an art critic yeah, it's it's an artist that died. So there's like a little bit of a connection, but yeah, you're right. I have no idea why they let them in. Yeah, and they truly are not stopped at all even though at one point odd, oh that's the cop you don't want. He has no nonsense, but then he does not interact with them at all except to like <laughs> give them a ton of information. Like they go up and Quillerin is like grilling him about like so how did this happen? What where did where did this happen? What is going on? Like blah blah blah. And he answers all of his questions like really point blank and then is what was like oh you have your story now like now you can leave and like basically like does not make it hard at all on them yeah i mean we have to remember that lillian jackson braun is like definitely a cat lover potentially an artist in real life not really a a crime solver she's not Affiliated with, not the cop. <laughs> not affiliated with the police as far as i know her husband was not like on the force or anything like no children working for like no detective work in in their family so i mean this is her first book she's doing the best she can she probably just didn't do a whole lot of that's true research into the the ins and outs of murder that's murder true i actually Cowell. take back in- I truly don't want this to sound like a complaint at all because I actually loved the amount of detail that she puts into this because I feel like there aren't as many crime scene details in future books. And I don't know why that, I mean, I don't want to sound like a creep, but I did love (laughs) that it was like a little bit more detailed on things because like they talk about how like the placement of the body and the ransacking of the, the office and the, yeah, what else? Oh, the fact that like, there are just so many details that you get kind of all at once that it feels a little bit more like a puzzle of like, okay, so the front door was locked and you later find out that, uh, or no, actually in that same conversation, you find out that Zoe found him 
um, mm-hmm. her husband's um, because she came back in to the gallery and um, came in with her key through the back door. And then you also, we also find out that there are like a number of pieces of art that have been slashed. Oh, um, yeah. So yeah, they're just like slashed throughout. Um, and it's actually Quillerin who makes a connection because Quillerin is now learning about mm-hmm. art. <laughs> and uh, he is the one that like, you know, looks at the specific paintings the ones that have been slashed and comes to the conclusion that they all have some form of, even though they're very modern and you wouldn't initially know it, they all somehow relate to or have like hidden images of the female body in them, which is a little bit of a woot woot. Quillerin can find a, a naked female body anytime. I guess they don't say naked, but I'm assuming. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of like modern abstract art. So I'm assuming it's not like, you know, that detailed <laughs> i'm assuming quiller came in with an fbi hat on female body, female inspector. body. <laughs> i mean he wasn't there but... before he knows what a what a lady looks like and he does breathe lustily <laughs> after them pretty frequently so <laughs> he does and actually zoe lambreth is probably the main his main like mustachy lust interest in uh in this one because even yeah, uh, later true. when he calls her after you know to like ask her questions about her husband uh her voice still uh really gets him going <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and we do have i think we skimmed over this part we did have lunch again with uh sandy oh yeah right the, right. the fancy wife that was described in all measurements right yeah um, who is starting to like pale a little bit in comparison yeah. she's actually also getting some other unfortunate descriptions of like how people think she's like really attractive until, until she starts she, talking oh, right. which I'm like yeah, great exactly. so I love that <laughs> that's yeah that was gonna be my point is like she was described as like such a like beautiful like fancy like wonderful I don't, I don't know all the gross descriptions of how the 1960s mm-hmm. describes women but yeah. yeah, she she's getting a little bit of a taking a little bit of a hit personality wise in in later descriptions. Yeah, she seems she really is unfortunately. Yeah, she she does, and I don't approve of the the way people are talking about her. But she does uh, come come across as quite vapid in in this section. Yeah, you know, I actually did kind of fight with myself over it because like, this could be. A time, you know, a t- different time thing. But also, there are just people that are super fucking annoying, and I don't want to be around. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm kind of like, you know what? I'm willing to believe that like you're just describing a really annoying person, which like that's fair. But also like, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of like a back and forth because they're definitely this is obviously written a long time ago and mm-hmm. um, has a lot of very differing, as we've definitely said before um yeah differing views on things but i know i actually do find myself willing to give lillian jackson braun more of the benefit of the doubt these days so maybe maybe i should be keeping that in check <laughs> in the future <laughs> oh my but yeah so he's trying to interview her basically so cal halipe has kind of fallen by the wayside because he also um has kind of been out of town mm-hmm. and like still not answering Quillerin's questions but Quillerin still has to write an article um, on him and so he right goes to lunch with um Sandy because he's kind of made a deal with her where like she'll she's supposed to bring photos of him and kind of tell 
Quiller in it. He's interviewing her about Cal and mm-hmm. is going to do an article from the perspective of like, you know, the portrait of an artist from his friends and family. Yeah. Um, but apparently, she's but then she really quite useless. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she really flakes out on that too. Um, which you know, I'm just realizing actually, a lot of people are going in and out. Well, only Cal and um, Mont Clemens, but a lot of people are going in and out of town around the time of this murder mm-hmm. yeah that's true. so like cal was technically i think out of town maybe maybe not or at least we only hear that from sandy and then we get mont clemens leaving the day i think right the day that yeah they find out that the i think the morning of yeah yeah i think you're right which that's a lot suspicious. Mm, suspicious for sure yeah Oh, I think Quill- or Quiller and I almost called my cat Quiller and I think Franklin's <laughs> kind of breaking into the door. Let me no, let no. Real quick. Franklin. Oh, come on. Hello, sir. Welcome. Welcome to the recording studio. Okay. Now you're trapped. Sorry. And I know you're going to hate that. Ow. Feedback Turn right. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, Chuny. Chuny. Did you have a stressful oh, day outside? <laughs> Your stressful five minutes of freedom. Oh, but <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell. I meant to to tell her. I Murphy and I. I was taking her to the vet. Oh no! And I don't think I've told you this yet. Yeah, I was taking her to the vet, and she's already such just. Franklin and Shadow are so easy to just shove in a bag and <laughs> take to the vet. But Murphy, it truly took me and John like probably twenty five minutes <laughs> to finally catch her. She was screaming the whole Mom. time finally we got her in the bag she literally it was actually really sad because she like was fighting 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 and then she finally just kind of gave up and like deadweighted us <laughs> like, oh god i'm so sorry you've lost all hope okay i truly just need you to get a vaccine like we don't need to like make this be the most traumatic thing of your life and so i take her so i'm taking her to the vet and so i was like driving and i got so i got to the intersection right in front of my mm-hmm. vet and so i was about to turn um, I hadn't quite gotten to the light yet, but the light was green and I was like about to do the just like, you know, waiting near the intersection to turn. Mm-hmm. And as I'm driving up, I'm probably still like 20, maybe like 20 feet from the line into the intersection. This car, this like huge Cadillac of a car starts just like drifting across, is like coming at Ugh. me and starts like drifting across his lane into through the intersection and into my turn lane. oh no and so i just was it was so Lay strange and, like slow motion i didn't even really have time because it was just so strange mm-hmm. that like all of it i thought for sure he was like are you just like gonna correct like correct it and move back or like what are you even doing and so i like barely had time to think and i did luckily i slammed on the brakes so it made the like impact less mm-hmm. so it wasn't quite as like whatever but he definitely just fucking directly hit my car oh. like and he was already like more on the other side of my car I mean we still hit like front to front but he was already like almost into the other lane of traffic yeah. like across my turn lane and so poor Murphy like Murphy like flew off no. of my, unfortunately I'm so dumb I had her because she was already so sad so I had her on the seat next to me and mm-hmm. not on the floor and so she flew off the seat onto the floor and I felt so bad. Oh. Um, and then I like the guy like started to drive off and I got out of my car and I screamed at him and I was like, are you going to pull over? You're not going to hit and run me, are you? I mean, I didn't say that part, but I did yell at him like, are you pulling over? 
and he was like uh-huh and it actually was really scary this guy's like he was a really old guy and he's just like his whole face was just completely blank like it looked like he was on some kind of like medication maybe that was just making him like completely vacant it was really definitely should not be driving oh i 100 percent. as soon as he pulled over he was like "Uh uh-huh probably two blocks later i trailed him going like two miles per hour like and he finally stopped and i like stormed up to his window and i was like you should not be i looked at him and i was like what happened like what's going on and i think i truly started screaming the first i mean i wasn't really screaming but the first thing that i was 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 saying was like my cat fell on the floor (laughs) that was like my first thought of like i can't believe you made that happen and so like poor mer obviously i like checked her before i like went out um she seemed okay and i was like okay we're going to the vet she's fine in like one second yeah she definitely was okay but so like i kept like saying that to him and he kept being i was like what happened and he kept like not answering and just being totally vacant finally he was like well what do you want to do and i was like well i want your insurance information because like my cat fell on the floor yeah (laughs) and you hit my car and like what i want your insurance information so he like spent all of this time like rooting around in like every little crevice and pocket and he finally showed me his license and it had one of those hole punches in it and so I looked at him and I was not I was like this is not valid you can't drive with this and then he was like oh I don't like I don't know and and then he like couldn't find his insurance and he was like I think I left it at home with my license and I was like I don't think you should be driving man you have insurance or a license but a hundred percent car is this oh god yeah that was basically it he just like I should I really, in hindsight, I didn't want to, like, because then I got kind of sad, so I was like, oh, maybe he has, like, dementia, and I don't, I didn't want it to be too intense, so I didn't call the cops, and I wanted to take Murphy to the vet, Mm -hmm. but watching him drive away, I was like, I should not have let him drive away, like, he is clearly not in the right state of mind to drive away, so, Yeah. yeah, but I just, like, I literally kept saying to him, like, my cat, he was like, is your car okay? Oh, that was the other part, is that he was, I was like, what do you do, what were you doing and it took me like three times of asking him that for him to finally like answer and he finally was like I thought you were turning left and I was like are we in the twilight zone I was turning left and I was in the left turn lane yeah, like what about that you? makes that okay to hit yeah me? yeah that was so strange and I yeah I continued to just say my cat fell on the floor <laughs> as like a point of defense <laughs> traumatic so traumatic and then I took her to the vet and she screamed really loud at her shot and I felt so <laughs> fucking bad. Oh, what a diva. Oh my god. I know I took her, I brought her back home and I like locked up the other cats and I gave her uh, like a whole can of tuna and I put some, pa- I had some pet CBD so I actually gave her some pet CBD. I was like, okay nice. here, I hope this makes you feel better. That should probably happen before you go to the vet next time. <laughs> I know. We actually thought that way too late as we were like grabbing her. We were like, there's no way we could like get her to eat some cbd now is there (laughs) like we should have timed this better yeah if it makes you feel better i have this has happened at least two or three times where like so mushu's carrier is like a floppy bag you know it's not like a hard carrier oh yeah it's not like chuni's carrier is like also it's also soft but it's a little bit stiffer it like holds its shape but mushu's bag is like a legit purse like it's just like yeah. floppy and like doesn't hold its shape so it kind of like caves in on him a little bit 
and he's like normally fine because when I'm carrying him it's up but like multiple times I've set him down like on a couch or like on uh like my coffee table and he'll be like okay for about two seconds and then he'll he'll start to scramble because the bag will cave in on him and so many times he'll like flop himself over onto the floor (laughs) oh no i always i always forget that he does that and so every time I've luckily never put him on, like, a very high surface, but, like, multiple times he has flopped himself onto the floor, and I'm always like, oh, God, Mishu! Oh. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Mishu. I should have kept you on the floor. Oh, <laughs> kitties. But, okay, that does make he, a little He's always fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Murphy was fine. It was kind of perfect. I mean, we were going to the vet, and I had them, like, you know, do another little once-over of her, and they were like, oh, yeah, she's fine. Yeah. So, yeah, we had a very traumatic, and then she, like, the rest of the week, honestly, she was, like, so cuddly and was, like, curling up with even me. Like, she never curls up with me. It's always just John. But she was, like, like, you know, I know. She was, like, hey, we almost died together. And I was, like, well, hey, it was, like, maybe a really small impact. But I'm not going to complain because, (laughs) like, you're curling up with me, and that's great. Okay, great. Like, we don't need to talk about it anymore. It's perfect. (laughs) But, yeah, so that was our oh sorry i really derailed us um (laughs) where were we homicide uh oh we were probably about to get to the cat sitting right because mont clemens has left oh yeah so he did absolutely trick quillerin into pet sitting he really did yeah so in the same way that um that uh mont clemens is sending him notes he kind of similarly but also tricks him with food because he (laughs) has him over for a really fancy breakfast the morning that he's leaving and Quillerin kind of you know he kind of leads him as they're like talking about Coco he Quillerin is kind of like oh well what do you do with him while you're gone and then he goes like now that you mention it (laughs) yeah actually i'd love for you and he goes through these like really detailed instructions and is like well here's what you do and kind of steamrolls and kind of like if it were a sitcom it would be like you know he'd be like saying all these instructions and cooler and would be like but um well and then would be like thank you so much bye bye (laughs) and would just like whisk away by himself yeah that's basically exactly what happens yeah and so we do get some more like really great scenes of like well first Quillerin kind of fucks it up and he doesn't <laughs> I mean he's distracted mean, by a murder rightly. yeah I was just gonna like qualify that and be like I guess he was at a crime scene that's kind of an extenuating circumstance mm-hmm. but he doesn't feed Coco until 10pm and I'm assuming he has dinner time that's like a normal human dinner time <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so he gets home at like 10 and he walks in to like he truly really, like doesn't know what the sound is until he's like, "Oh God, that's that's Coco. <laughs> that's the cat being angry at me." That is a mad cat. Yeah. Um, so Coco, yeah, Coco so he reprimands him. him. Yeah, yeah. He gets very yelled at. Yeah, and, and then the, the first time that he's feeding Coco, so you kind of see him like, "Oh God, what were that like? What ratio? Like, what size was I supposed to cut these beef chunks into? Like, can I just?" do it without cooking like can he eat it raw and he like messes it up a bunch and puts it down and coco's like absolutely not this is not my food <laughs> yeah he's like try again <laughs> yeah but he does get it right and then he like also the next morning he we i don't think we get it in scene but we get it in 
uh, Quillern's description later when he's talking to Odd and Arch at the press club. And he's like, I did a great job this morning and Coco even approved and is like really proud of how he fed Coco the next day, which is like really funny. Yeah. And then I loved the next night when he got home at the proper time and Coco, yeah, and Coco yeah. greets him at the door and was like happy to see him and super excited. And Quilleran's uh-huh. like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll stay in tonight. He had been like planning to go to a yes. restaurant and he was like, but, but Coco's so, so grateful. Maybe I'll just stay in and play with him. And so he does. He, like, yep. stays in all night and plays, like, games with Coco and watches him run around. My God, which isn't that just the life that any of us lead. Yeah. I have 100% <laughs> done that before. <laughs> yeah, no, that's totally true. For the first, like, month that I worked here, I was like, I'll just go home for lunch, even though it's super inconvenient. And I get home and have, like, 15 oh, minutes yeah. before I turn around. But I'm like, but my cats yeah. are lonely. <laughs> <laughs> I should go out and socialize tonight. Mm, no, I'm just going to stay yeah. here and watch movies with my kids. But I've been gone all day. They haven't seen people in so long. Yeah. And Coco apparently is very happy about it. And we do get, this is probably one of the first, like, normal in the sense that, like, we've seen this scene a lot of, like, Coco, like, being really happy and running around. And then them, like, sitting, like, playing together and then them um like kind of curled up and reading together they read the the nighttime delivery of the daily fluxion together which is really (laughs) fucking cute yeah i mean you have to remember like coco has up until this point hadn't had a shut-in owner like he has people around like he has his person all the time so this is i mean his person probably travels like we kind of get the the sense that he travels for work a little bit but yeah, it's probably mm-hmm. it's probably a little sad for him to go from like having his human in the house twenty four seven to like Quillerin's schedule of you know working. I'm assuming nine to five. Yeah, or at least some semblance of it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and oh, there's no also going to say there's no yum yum. So he really is by himself. I know there is no yum yum yet. I know actually watching all of this unfold with Coco was making me really excited for like when we get to read yum yum's origin story too yeah because it's yeah just really excited but oh what i was gonna say is i was also thinking too there was one rundown one thinking about quilleran's you know nine to five like whatever work schedule he has also made me realize that he is so much more productive in this book than he has ever been in like any (laughs) of the books combined like writing wise because there's at one point there's a rundown of like what he does even just like not even in a full day but like in the span of like an afternoon and he writes like like four articles and like starts two other ones they're like it's just so many things that he does that I was like you just in other books you just like say that you're gonna do shit and you never (laughs) never do them but in his other books so recently he hasn't really had a job job you know that's true like I don't I mean I don't really know how newspaper people get paid but i'm assuming they get paid per article no no he's on salary he's on staff is he he's on salary yeah i think so okay well then maybe he just is extra productive i was thinking if he was like you know getting back into work he was probably wanting to like make up for for lost time and start writing and making more money and saving more but i guess if he's on salary it doesn't really matter how much he writes Yeah, I mean, it's usually only freelancers that get paid, like, by the quantity that they write. Mm -hmm. But it could also be the case that because he has been out of work for a while, he's, you know, probably... Excited to get back into it. 
yeah yeah and probably trying to prove himself a little bit and yeah yeah make a good first impression yeah exactly um but people seem to like him we get a just like a little intro into a chapter that describes one of his articles and how he tastefully did not mention the quality of (laughs) this this (laughs) artist's artwork and instead is doing a more like i guess human interest piece on the artist himself and people like love it and are like oh he's so tasteful about that and so so wonderful like here's all the presents yeah that's true yeah he does get a lot of praise for his first article that gets published and you know it is interesting because that is the exact job that he got hired for which is actually a really smart move on the newspaper's part to have that kind of counteracting especially in the art section because Mm -hmm. of Mont Clemens because of his you know just really brash style that it probably is like a really welcome change for someone to be like you know not necessarily even right towing into the art but just being like well here are the people you know kind of like a oh what's that New York um the like profiles of people in the New York Times are like humans of New no that's yeah something else no, I think that's not right. what it's New York Times is it oh it's not oh, I don't know I tried to be lost like Mark Clemens and I, I yeah. fell short <laughs> <laughs> but yeah the humans of New York where you just kind of like get a little blurb of like this is yeah. my my story and it's like a little bit more personal than yeah. work related or then again, I guess we could argue that Mont Clemens are personal, but more like personal attacks. Yeah, more <laughs> personal attacks. So what happens after this? Like, I kind of am forgetting, like, there's one big thing that I remember that was, like, truly one of the last things I think that happens. But I can't remember. I think we're almost at the end yeah, of think, our section, aren't we? I think we are. Um, yeah, because after the murder he like checks in on zoe a couple of times oh yeah Um, yeah. and it seems like she's living with um what's her name butchie yeah butchie is the somewhat questionable name metal worker yeah yeah the metal working but i think she also is like an art teacher at one of the local colleges maybe Mm. um she was at the the um the valentine's day social that they were having and she was the one that Mm -hmm. was throwing darts at the picture of Mont Clemens of playing Kill the Critic. Oh, um, yeah. But so, yeah, she, it turns out she has, like, kind of taken over Zoe Lambreth's house. Like, Quillerin and, and Odd Bunsen go to kind of talk to her after, or go to talk to Zoe after they were at the crime scene. And, uh, yeah, Butchie answers and is kind of like, Zoe's not taking, you know, is very, like, territorial protective of Zoe and her grieving and Zoe kind of hears what's happening and is like oh they can come in um and so they talk a little bit and we get I guess we get a few more details there of the timeline Zoe talks about how she doesn't usually go to the gallery because something something it doesn't look good for an artist to be at the gallery where their art is sold and uh, especially because her dealer art dealer is her husband but she had gone to the gallery to see if he was available to go to dinner that night and he had said no so she'd gone at like I think what like 5 30 she said and he was like no not yet but maybe at seven I'll be done and ready to leave and so she leaves 
and then she comes back in through the door like we know the back door uh then finds his body in the upstairs in the framing area and Quillerin apparently we also get to some interesting little theories from Quillerin because he kind of starts thinking that because the office the framing office upstairs has been ransacked and so people initially are like oh there was a huge struggle here and Quillerin is the one who kind of is like I don't think that might 100% be the case because of the way his body fell it looks like he was sitting and then was kind of blindsided and just fell off of his chair and then everything could have been ransacked after and then two other details that Zoe goes into but it's like things that she can't remember and so Quilleran's asking her like okay so you did you call the like did you call and talk to him at one point she's like I can't remember I can't even remember if the door was actually unlocked I did use my key though um, she was like, in the way that, you know, you just don't remember things that you do in a day. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you don't remember those things, um, which Odd finds suspicious, but Quillerin is kind of like, well, no, she's also in shock. So, I mean, and people don't remember shit. Like, I don't remember shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I have, I have a hard enough time remembering what floor I parked on in my parking garage every day. Yeah. Yeah. Those details sometimes just kind of slip yeah. away. Yeah. I don't think I would be able to remember which of my locks on my door were locked I just unlocked both of them even though I never lock both of them yeah yeah things like that that like yeah I even I'll walk away from my door and be like I don't remember locking my door and then go yeah exactly all the locks are locked yeah yeah don't have any recollection of doing that yeah and then oh and then we do get so some of the the two like last big things that I remember are Zoe calling Quillerin and kind of like really hush hush being like okay, I don't have any time to talk. I don't want to talk over the phone, but there are really important things I need to tell you and you can't come to my house. So like, can I come talk to you? Mm-hmm. And um, then Quillerin's like, okay, yeah, you can come to my apartment. So that is one of the big cliffhangers that we leave on. Mm-hmm. And then the other big thing that I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. This was just like one little throwaway line that I don't even remember who said it. But Quillerin finds out that there was, um, oh, it's from the bartender, because he gets all of his information from bartenders <laughs> at the press club. That's like his whole thing. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. Even though he like doesn't treat this bartender very well, to be honest. I was like, why is this bartender giving him so much information? He's like kind of a jerk. Yeah. Anyway, Quillerin is, I mean, to the bartender. I mean, the bartender seems a little like catty also. That's true. That's true. They're kind of like, they have a little repartee going. That's yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. But the bartender stops Quillerin at one point and gives him a couple pieces of juicy goss from the art world and says that, A, it's kind of commonly known that Zoe Lambreth is having an affair with Mont Clemens, mm-hmm. which is what we kind of alluded to earlier. Um, and then the other big part that like I was like, whoa, this could be huge is that the bartender has a friend who works as a as a security guard at the art museum. Uh, if you remember from the last episode, the director was resigning because of Mont Clemens, you know, yada yada, bad bad reviews mm-hmm. and harsh words. Mm-hmm. Um, that a really famous fancy dagger 
has gone missing and no one wanted to do anything about it so like the guard noticed that it was missing and reported it and everyone was kind of like "Mm, yeah i don't know maybe we'll we'll see what we can do yeah which obviously does not sound very like if any piece of art is missing or if anything is missing from the museum i feel like that's yeah like a very big deal on top of which i just realized that we kind of built this up well because we totally forgot to say how Mr. Lambeth died, which was by stabbing. Yeah. <laughs> and they blamed one of his... Really well accidentally. <laughs> yeah. They they blamed his tools. Like, I think they were thinking, oh, like, right. oh, it, it was probably just one of his, like, something, something. I don't know. Because he, he does, like, framing and, like, other things. So I'm, I think he has, like, a workbench with, like, working tools. And they were like, oh, it's probably just one of his, like, missing things that he keeps in the the gallery but yeah now now that we have like a missing dagger at the end of the chapter it does throw some some doubt onto to what the actual murder weapon is yeah yeah totally yeah so that's that's it yeah i think the the like literally the last couple of lines were zoe calling and setting up a time to meet with Quillerin for some extra special information out out of out of earshot of everyone else so well yeah that was that was the big cliffhanger so we'll see what she has to say in the next section yeah and also i just realized it's gonna be within earshot of coco mate yeah probably so we'll see what happens if coco gets to meet this dead body or if he finds another one (laughs) if Coco gets to meet this dead body yeah that's true that's true that's good sleuthing from other books too Jules I think yeah. you're really taking on some extra quiller and traits hashtag I'm gonna get you a quiller and shirt at some point <laughs> yeah can it just have a mustache on it <laughs> oh my god <gasps> Julia we've completely not even thought about how much mustache oh apparel gosh, we there, could have there was also mustache uh discussion in this book that we totally missed and this was this was the Uh, book where quillerin admits that his mustache gives him premonitions (laughs) yes he does he admits it to mont clemens in that like romantic bromantic i should say dinner that they have yeah and he's like i would never admit this yeah yeah because mont clemens was like oh to be a cat and like you know more like romantic sexy language about like how great cats are and it's talking Mm -hmm. about like i would trade all of my appendages for whiskers to like sense (laughs) things and quillern was like actually now that you mention it my mustache and so yeah we get a little we get quillern's crazy crazy mustache uh description of his like his tinglings that he gets yeah which answers just so many questions i mean it doesn't really because it's still like why does your mustache tingle and actually at one point (laughs) he does even say he was like my mustache was tingling but it also might just need to be combed or like or trimmed or something like that and i was like yeah do you have shit in your mustache (laughs) do you have mustache mites yeah maybe you should check that out buddy (laughs) but no that is true we do get like also the origin story of right not only coco and his intuition but also <laughs> Quillerin's mustache intuition yeah i mean we don't get the actual origin has he always had it? like was he born with this mustache or was oh, this shit. something that like developed over time 
I mean, we don't know when he grew this mustache. Is my point? Like, we don't That's have a fan true. a fanfic of <laughs> mustache. Oh we don't my god! But know. guys, please write fanfic of Quillerin's mustache. <laughs> yeah, like, is this? So I'm. <laughs> I don't know if if you're a fan of Big Mouth on Netflix. <gasps> I fucking love Big Mouth on Netflix. <laughs> Actually, so John. It's so, so good. And actually, one of John's good friends, her husband, um, worked on the first season and the Valentine special of Big Mouth. Oh, my gosh. It's great. I No, I will always rant about how much I love Big Mouth. Yeah, Big Mouth is great. But I'm kind of, like, picturing Quillerin in there as, like, a gangly teenager with his, like, one mustache hair and the mustache (gasps) hair, like, talking to him and being like, hey, buddy. (laughs) Look at that sexy lady over there. (laughs) Oh my god. You're talking about like the one pube, right? Yeah, like the one pube. <laughs> I mean oh, the two guys. pubes, but the one that gets sacrificed to the Oh, that's true. <laughs> I forgot that there were two even at this point. Yeah. Oh my god. Guys, go watch Big Mouth. It truly is just the most silly, gross, but also the most delightful thing yeah. on the planet. It's just the greatest. It's yeah, it's wonderful. Okay, well, thank you guys so much for listening. I loved this section of the book, and I can't wait to continue our sleuthing into Coco's origin story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, right, and as Julia put it, see where uh, how Coco meets his first... Actually, we don't know that it's his first dead body, but meets <laughs> the A dead body of yeah. this book. Meets um, his first dead body with Quillerin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes. Oh, the Junie. Did you, did you hear him? <laughs> no, because I got distracted because my cats were hissing at each other. Oh. It's cat drama time. We should. Oh, I was trying oh, to get him. He, he does a cute little, like, trill when he wants to get my attention. Bud. Junie. Come here, buddy. Do you need more food? Trill for us. Is that the problem? He's sitting by the door. He wants to go back outside. <laughs> oh. You whetted his appetite. I whetted his appetite. It's dark and cold out there, buddy. I am not following you. He's like, there's, but there's a dead body out there I need you to find. Well, he was, he did like immediately go straight to this one spot and like stand there for a few minutes with his like mouth open, which makes me think that there was like a good smell. And what I mean oh, there by he good, is. there he is. And what I mean by good is like another cat probably peed there. Oh yeah, there. Joey. I was gonna say he doesn't cry while I'm looking at him. <laughs> oh, he only yeah, cries when he's not paying attention. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I uh, hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, if you want to find us on social media, I've been trying to post even more pictures of our cats, if that's even possible. Um, we <laughs> are Paranormal Captivity Pod on Instagram and Paranormal Pod on Twitter. Um, we oh, buddy, <laughs> Chewy nope, wants you to follow us on social media because I'm not looking at him. <laughs> He's like, Attention now. <laughs> um, we are on. Oh, my, <laughs> yeah, that was, a, buddy. that was a good one. All right, come here, bud. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh, buddy, come here. You, you can't go outside. Oh. He just wants to go for a walk. He just wants to go frolic in the darkness. <laughs> Frolicking in the darkness. 
Um, we are also on Patreon and we're so, so thankful for um, that support. And yeah, if you want to find us there where you can search our name for a normal captivity. And yeah, people also have been leaving like the sweetest notes on iTunes. That also really, really helps us. And we also have a book club on Goodreads. Book club. Um, yeah. That I try to keep updated with the books that we read and where we are in that process. So yeah. Well, a little something, something for everyone. Yeah. And we are currently on, we're starting chapter nine. Oh, right. Of yeah. The Cat Who Good Reads call. Backwards. Who can read back the cat who help me out here. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird it's weirdly worded. I feel like it should be the cat who reads backwards, but it's the cat who could read backwards. Yes, that one. So we're reading I believe chapters nine through twelve, regardless of the title. We are reading chapters yes. nine through twelve this <laughs> Yeah, title. whatever it's called. <laughs> Doesn't affect our number skills, which are also not great. <laughs> But nine yeah, through twelve is correct. They're also questionable, but I think I got that yeah. right. <laughs> I think you did too. Good job. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. So we'll be back next week with that. And in the meantime, happy, uh, happy. I wish there was like a President's verb, Day. <laughs> oh God, yeah, President's Day. I saw a tweet today that was like President's Day is canceled until we actually get one, and I was like, oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Okay>. Yes. <laughs> but also yeah Uh, (laughs) monday off for those of us that get monday off oh yeah exactly yeah happy um happy free monday hope you guys have a chance to cuddle with your pets yeah and take advantage of all those sweet sweet president's day sales regardless of your you know what you think of our president at this time (laughs) right we can still take advantage of the sales (laughs) That is true. I actually am currently on working on my catio to bring it full circle. Yeah, catio. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay, well, yeah. Thanks again, guys. And we'll see you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye.